Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Code Zoo Vine for October 24th, 2021. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, good to have you all on the air with us, and we're excited in about 20 minutes. Uh, we're going to have longtime contributor to the show, Mike Mitkus, come on and talk to us about Keystone State Politics from Pennsylvania. Um, they have a full slate of races up there, and so, and of course, some new district lines. And so, we'll talk about all of that with Mike. Uh, but until then, uh, there's been just a lot of topics, but one I wanted to kind of hone in on was late in the week, the Trump Media and Technology Group launched. And, um, you know, if I would say that their uh, goal is is world domination, um, that might not be an overstatement of what their goal is. Um, They put together a 22-slide presentation, and I I won't go slide by slide, but I'll try to kind of get into um, some of the things. They kind of center it around, um, you know, the different areas of technology, and of course, they they lead off with how much uh, you know conservatives have been canceled by all forms of you know big technology media. And so, the first slide they want to disrupt big tech, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, and Twitter. They they seemingly want to take over all these things in these completely different. Um, you know, venues. I mean, Google is a search engine. Netflix is a media company. Amazon really has two sets of services. They sell goods, and then they also have a a web services company where they host, you know, major amounts of data for companies, and Google does this as well, so you don't have to, um, you know, have physical servers. Facebook and Twitter are um, social media companies, Apple, they're really – their number one thing is they build cell phones and they build computers. Uh, Apple TV is, I guess, a media wing, uh, but they don't even have social media. Um, so seemingly, you know, the Trump media group is going to take over all of these things. Catherine, how outlandish is this? Well, it's really outlandish. I just want to correct you a little bit. Google is much more okay. than a search engine. They have a whole suite well, that, of products where they started. That, that, you know, like enterprise-wide that companies use. The organization I work for has the full suite of Google. Um, and, and same with a- Apple's biggest moneymaker is um, music and apps. So even though we all think phones? of them as a, a – no, it's bigger. The, 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 my understanding is that music and, and um, apps and – like Apple TV are much bigger, but whatever. I just wanted to make that correction so we didn't sound like we didn't know what we were talking about. But well, um, well, I mean, I'm a computer science teacher, so that's kind of bad to get uh, corrected on this. But what I did say, I did say that Google has, um, you know, they also are in that uh, web services space like Amazon is. No, but I mean, that's what right. started. That's the, what planted the seed was search. And I mean, I mean, and nobody does search bigger or, you know, I guess more effectively than than Google. That's where it all starts. Well, in any event, um, yes, it is ridiculous that um, this, you know, Trump organization thinks that they can, you know, uh, overwhelm all these services that have become really entrenched in our um, in our markets. Uh, and are, even though they may think that they're partisan, I think there's a lot of people that feel like 
Facebook, for example, has actually not been very friendly to uh, progressive and democratic causes. So, um, but in general, I, I don't think that they are, you know, outwardly partisan. Um, so it's just a, it's a ridiculous um, idea. I mean, I, it's fine if they want to build a, um, uh, you know, new social media platform that caters to their, you know, base. And, and I mean, but this idea that they can be this, you know, all, all media uh, conglomerate is uh, pretty uh, high hopes for, um, for the investment that they're talking about. And for the, you know, I, I imagine the level of technology and expertise that they have at their fingertips. Yeah, I mean, th- there's just so many things here. Like, I don't think Apple would try to say, hey, we're going to start a you know, goods and services company online and try to take on Amazon. Amazon. Other companies have tried to create phones and not been able to do what Apple's done with the iPhone. I mean, these giant companies... Uh, have tried the others. I mean, Google Plus. Google tried to start a social media company. Google Plus was not successful. Let's just be honest. And by the way, I did look it up, and on the fiscal year 2019, um, the iPhone accounted for 54.7% of all of um, Apple's business. So, I mean, the iPhone's a giant. I stand corrected. And is is Donald Trump owns the take on that uh tim when you saw this presentation um what was your you know thought there well i got to thinking back to things like trump steaks and trump wines (laughs) and trump university and 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 i immediately thought now is this another pie in the sky idea that that he is well known for is his whole career. I mean, this screams ever since he got kicked off of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. He's been babbling since March about this stuff. Stand up to the tyranny of big tech, he's saying. And one thing that uh, stuck out at me this. Uh, Trump Media and Technology Group, they're going to join in with Digital uh, World Acquisition Corporation, and they're going to sink $293 million into this project. You know, that's a drop in the ocean compared to the people that he's taking on what they spend. I mean, that's a drop in the ocean. That's that's like Bubba sitting on his front porch with his gun saying he's going to, uh, fight the trillion dollar army of the United States or something. I think I, I think this is all a pack of nonsense. Might be another way for Trump and them to to uh, get themselves a little money in since it's publicly traded, of course. But uh, I, I I got it. Did you also notice, guys, that uh, all of this is really a little short on? details uh this slide showed nonsense uh i don't put much stock in it david in case you haven't noticed (laughs) yeah like most of the time most of the times to you know go over a book section or something in one of my classes i create a slideshow typically they're longer than 22 slides i mean uh, 22 slides would have might have covered just the social media piece um, all the things they're talking about. But I guess I don't know that they were really looking to get the sophisticated um, you know, person in on this. People that are in the know about technology are just going to scoff at this. The amazing thing, Tim, you mentioned that digital world services company that um, uh-huh. is backing this somehow. Their stock jumped, I guess it was Thursday or Friday, after they launched all this, people buying it. I haven't heard a follow-up about where that came from. I just can't imagine it's the savvy business investor. I don't think, you know, A.G. Edwards or Ernest & Young or whatever, what company, whatever companies, you know, do a bunch of 
uh, you know, Charles Schwab trading across the um, you know country and advising people are saying put money into this. You know, market money managers and, and um, trust you know, what with the funds and all that. This had to be more like a Robin Hood kind of situation where these people that just love Donald Trump, I would assume, invested in this company. Have either one of you heard where that you know bump late in the week happened to Digital World Services? No, I haven't heard anything. No, no, but you, yeah, you, I think you know you say all the time. You say all the time, David. Uh, people who already own the stock will buy the stock to increase the price of the stock. Yeah, yeah. So you need to look into that. that. That's what I'm saying. I wonder where this came from. I mean, yeah, it could be, oh, it got some buzz, and some people tried to figure out how to make, you know, some money of it. But I could see, you know, these people that turn out at the rallies, that fly the flags, that, that you know, are into the cult, if you will, are they going to then buy shares? And he w- uh, this would be uh, another uh, Trump stakes, another Trump university, uh, uh, and he would make money off of it. I don't know. The people that attend those rallies, I would doubt that they have much of a portfolio. That's just a wild guess, most of them. Uh, I, I would I, think I, 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 they may not have been into voting, you know, five years ago. They and now you can there's get a on, you know, there's East a trade or whatever and, and and getting involved in the stock market. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just it seems like people when you talk about my money, you know, it, it's going to be re, it's going to get real in a hurry. And so, mm-hmm. are you going to invest in something that's just absolute nonsense? Which, if anybody looked at this thing, I mean, let's be realistic. I could see Truth Social taking over Gab and Frank and what was that parlor? Like I could see oh, yeah, you know parlor. all of that space. You know, Trump Social just, you know, takes all those characters and pushes them aside. There's probably some more. Those are the three that come to mind. Maybe a little sliver of Facebook and and Twitter. I mean, a very small sliver, but just the the people that are in the MAGA group you know, stop on there, and they all now go to Trump Social. And how big does that get you at the end of the day? I'm not sure, um, but it's not. It probably doesn't even put you in the top three or four in social media companies when you consider Instagram and Snapchat and um, things like that. LinkedIn is a, is, a, is a social media company. It, it may not even break past all those, not, not to mention Facebook and Twitter, which are, uh, I'm assuming, the top two. Um, well, and also, any other I think, growth besides that, oh, Catherine? Go ahead. Well, I also think that um, people who might move to that platform are likely going to keep their Facebook account so they can keep up with their family and, you know, high school friends who might not jump over. So it, it, it while it might, you know, there might be a little bit of population from Facebook. I don't think it's going to diminish much of Facebook's population. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to quit Facebook and move to whatever it's called, truth. Um, But they might add it as as another um, place to hang out sometimes. Yeah, and so it might even hurt Twitter a little more since Twitter is a little more you know, political, social, it's not so much people you know. And I think you're right about Facebook has a social component. And what would be, I guess, a nice thing then is if these people move all of that conversation off of Facebook and you just want to talk not about politics, but you just catch up with people and talk about family and friends and and just lighter stuff, it might make Facebook a better place, which they could probably use a little um, decluttering, if you will, um, it, it might uh, solve some of their problems in a way. Um, Tim, what do you think their upside is here? Their upside, Trump, Trump maybe will make some money off of it some way. <laughs> there, there's the there's the upside. Look, I'm seeing 
again, uh, 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 an absence of a lot of details. They're, they're saying there's going to be a beta launch in November. There's going to be a wider launch next year. Well, what, who's going to be allowed on the site? And what about security? You know, what about well, privacy had, issues? It's already been hacked. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, by, and by people that are going like with names like Mike Pence and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, good grief, good grief, good grief. Uh, uh, like I said, it, it, does that mean everybody's going to be allowed on there? And how do they control that? And and uh, what are the rules going to be? They, they said none of this. It's just like Trump all of a sudden said, hey, I want to do this, and they're trying to scramble to catch up with him. Well, actually, they have a few rules because I heard about rule number 23, and apparently the 23rd third rule is you can't use Trump social to make fun of Trump social. <laughs> it's bizarre as that sounds. So, you know, they'll probably throw people off and ban people far faster than Twitter and Facebook did, and they'll look incredibly hypocritical. Um, so you said people have come up with usernames like Mike Pence? Yeah, yeah. They come oh, yeah, up with all kinds yeah. of stuff, ain't they, Catherine? Just well, all kinds yeah. of craziness. It, I mean, it's okay, not has even anybody out come in... up with – go ahead. It's not even out in the public yet, and they've already hacked into the, like, test site and made up yeah. all these and, names, and, and it, they're it's creating ridiculous. Havoc. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's, just, it, it's just bizarre. Now, let's talk about one more thing, the media piece. Now, they talked about if, if only there was a place that had Netflix and Disney Plus – and I want to say they mentioned Apple TV. Those may have been the three they mentioned. I know they mentioned Peacock for whatever reason. Um, but they mentioned, like, if all of this was in one place and you're like, guys, you don't have a catalog. That's why Paramount Plus and Peacock TV were able to launch in the past year is because they have a catalog to base a network on and then add some things around. Over time, it's you have and to don't have we already, that. We already ahead, have a place where all that stuff is. We have Roku or whatever your I mean, it's like they don't even know what they're talking about. They're just making it up as they go along. <laughs> yeah, and I think Roku, yeah. it was first it was a little thing you put in the back of the TV. Now a lot of TVs have it built in, and that's like the apparatus to help you connect to all these services and make your TV smarter to where then you don't have to – because at first you had to have like an Apple TV box, and it was much more complicated. Right. It just simplified it some, or you can screen mirror. Um, but the catalog – I mean, and so like Fox Nation, I've seen advertisements for it. You're, what in the world? They showed something today on the, one of the NFL games, and I was like, what is this show? And they were advertising it. To me – Whatever whatever audience Trump would possibly have for something I personally don't think will ever get off the ground would cut deeply into Fox Nation. What do you think for programming would they have? <laughs> you know that who knows? You know, it was like earlier this year Trump was gonna take on Facebook and especially Twitter and basically what he started doing was blogging, and lo and behold, nobody was reading his site. And it just kind of, you know, petered out. This, this, I, I got to like see video. something happen before I, yeah, I got I to see something happen before I believe anything's going to happen, guys, to be honest with you. I think their content's going to be videos of uh, Donald Trump rambling out about nothing. I mean, what what could it be except Trump worship? I'm sure it's a Trump worship site. It'll be videos about his rallies and what great things everybody is saying about him. And maybe they'll have some consp- crazy conspiracy videos about, you know, Joe Biden's actually a secret alien who landed at Roswell because look at his age. And, you know, that, that sort of stuff, I, I 
Yeah, I couldn't uh, we'll have like we'll in-depth programs. stories about his hotels and golf courses. And <laughs> that would be some <laughs> It'll good be reading. that terrible channel <laughs> when you check into a hotel that, that comes on the hotel TV. Right. Well, I want to welcome into the show for I don't know how many times, uh, Mike Mickus. Welcome, Mike. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, but we're well, glad to have you. And before we get into uh, Keystone Take State Politics, um, Catherine and Tim just informed me that Mike Pence has been taken on Truth Social. So if the mics get taken, you may want to hurry and reserve your um, handle uh, on Truth Social. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, yeah. uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, well, it's my understanding that there is a full slate of races up there in um, Pennsylvania, and I want to ask you because, of course, the governor's office is, is something that drives a state's politics. You have an incumbent governor, Tom Wolf. I, I suppose he's running for reelection. Kind of tell us how his race looks. Sure. Well, Governor Wolf is actually term limited, so it's an open seat okay. next year. It's going to be a, a big, big race. Um, the Democrats have Josh Shapiro as the only candidate uh, running. He's an incredibly strong candidate. He's the attorney general. He, um, you know, has done a pretty good job of doing the, the balancing act that you need to do in a state like Pennsylvania, where it's, uh, you know, you have to appeal to progressives, to the progressive base, but at the same time, you need to court swing voters, and he's been able to do that. Um, you know, he's raised over ten million dollars already. And, uh, you know, he's he's in good shape. The Republicans, on the other hand, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a war that they have. Um, multiple candidates uh, probably going to try and out-Trump one another, and it's going to be so, something to watch. Yeah, um, fact, I, one, I just didn't realize one, that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, there was one, yeah, uh, tell us about one the of the Republicans. Republican. Yeah, the one Republican is a Republican lobbyist and public affairs guy. Um, Charlie Giroux is his name, but a few months ago he was he hit somebody on a motorcycle while he was driving his car on the on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and like literally drove like from what I read a few miles with the motorcycle embedded into his, the front of his vehicle. So. Uh, you have a U.S. former U.S. attorney, Bill McSwain, who you know played along with a lot of Trump's BS in terms of voter you know, made up instances of voter fraud. Um, and then the one person to watch is a guy named Doug Mastriano. He's a state senator who actually there's two people really to watch: Doug Mastriano, who um, state senator. You know, has been kind of the ringleader with all the election uh, denial nonsense here in Pennsylvania. And then the others, uh, former Congressman Lou Barletta, who's running. So the Republicans are going to have a big field. They're going to, I think, beat each other up. You know, Josh Shapiro has pretty much solidified the Democratic base. And I think, you know, he's an, even though it's always tough in off-year elections for the party that holds the White House. I think uh, Shapiro's actually in pretty good shape. Yes. Now, talking about the Republican field, we've seen in a lot of other states, Republican candidates putting out the most outlandish commercials. I mean, there was a, a candidate, uh, Jessica Taylor in Alabama, you know, rocketed a piece of uh, two-by-four up in the sky, a uh, guy from North Carolina monster trucking over things. Um, and a guy in Ohio who had a, just a crazy uh, football-themed ad, um, a lady at Nevada, she's shooting guns out in the desert. Have y'all had y'all's Republican candidates trying to see who can do the most outlandish right-wing hot-button ad? They haven't really done the hot-button ads, but they are trying to out-crazy one another. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, you know, Make make believe accusations, uh, uh, you know, regarding the election or just other nonsense, um, and it's only going to get worse as we go on from here. Okay, 
Well, it, it sounds promising, and I think clearing the field makes a lot of sense. I, I guess um, I knew a lot of governors took office in 2018 for the Democrats. It's good to hear that Pennsylvania actually won a statewide race like the governor's office in 2014, which would have been a yep. much tougher year for Democrats. So that's a good sign then for 2022. Sure, most definitely. And and that's the big thing. Uh, and part of that is because like kind of a – you know, one of one of the things that you know people often overlook is that Trump's base, can a, a big chunk of it tends not to vote when he is not on the ballot. A lot of these white working class voters, they're just if it's not him, they're not voting. Yes, uh, and, and we'll kind of continue to see how that phenomenon plays out across the country in 2022. Will be a big test. Well, I'm going to pass it along to Tim for some questions about the U.S. Senate race, and then Catherine for uh, Congress and reapportionment. Kim? Hey, Mike, how you doing, my friend? Uh, doing very well. Doing very well. So, John Fetterman has become a national media celebrity, especially on Progressive outlets like MSNBC seems like seems like he's on there all the time. But how popular is he in Pennsylvania now that he's stepping up to run for the U.S. Senate? Yeah. Um, well, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, he, he's he's pretty popular right now. Um, but I also, at the same time, think he would be the worst candidate to be the nominee. Um, he's got a lot of political baggage, um, you know, everything from pulling a gun on an African-American jogger, um, who he thought was shooting guns, uh, just to many other issues. I think, I think John Fetterman as the nominee would most likely lose under most, in most political environments. Um, the other three candidates are pretty strong. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and look, Fetterman's, I wouldn't say Fetterman's weak, but he's got some major baggage, and I'm not confident he'll handle it well. Um, that, that's the biggest, the, the biggest thing. But he is popular right now, but nobody has ever come after him on some of this stuff. Well, now, what about Connor Lamb? It, it, would he be too moderate to be your nominee, or would he be – the perfect guy to be a nominee. He, he would be a very strong uh, nominee for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, is he the perfect one? Uh, it's hard to say, but I don't think he's too moderate. Um, you know, he actually kind of is in the same mold as like a Governor Wolf or uh, um, you know, a Senator Casey who've done well in Pennsylvania. Uh, he, you know, he, but he's a strong candidate in the general election. The thing is, you know, with the Democratic primaries, you've seen a lot of b- battles, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, Joe Biden obviously did very well in Pennsylvania in the primary, so that Pennsylvania mm-hmm. has uh, voted for more centrist candidates in the primary. Uh, but that's you know, you know, that could change at any time. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. some big races in Western Pennsylvania and Philly where progressives have won tough primaries. Mm-hmm. Now, you got a couple of strong candidates in the Philadelphia area, and there is no doubt that as time has gone on, the Philadelphia area and its suburbs have taken on more and more and, and, and more importance in, in statewide Democratic politics. Do you expect the Philadelphia area to dominate the primary next year? I, I think it, you know, how a candidate does in Philadelphia and Philadelphia suburbs, and, and even like when you get to the, what they call the Lehigh Valley north of Philadelphia, where Allentown and Bethlehem are, you know, the candidates that can do well out there are going to win this primary um, just because. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be, you know, despite the population difference, of, uh, you know, at one time it was statewide. Uh, the Democrats were in western Pennsylvania equaled the Democrats that mm-hmm. voted in primaries in Philadelphia. Well, that's no longer the case where you're looking at probably 
60% of the primary vote coming out of the Philadelphia media market. Hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's a big change. Actually, so, excuse me, it's probably about, it's actually probably about 45%, but, uh, um, but that's still a, a very large chunk. And, you know, and then you have Allegheny County, the Pittsburgh media market, which is second, um, mm-hmm. you know, at about 23% of the vote. And then the rest of the, you know, the last 35, 40% is, you know, from the rest of the state. So, it, 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 you know, it, it's a behemoth and very yep. important in, in a primary. Yeah, and, and for our listeners who don't know about Pennsylvania, basically what happened in your area of the state is a lot of the outlying counties uh, became like West Virginia and some of those places that went strongly for Donald Trump and got redder and redder, the, the working-class counties. Is that pretty much what yep. happened there? Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of these were Good. the old coal counties, the old uh-huh. steel towns, places like that, you know, that have kind mm-hmm. of been left but behind economically. and You know, but, yeah, a lot of them are along the, you know, the border, the, the West Virginia border, uh, the Ohio border. You know, they've all been kind of tilting towards the right for the last – you know, 15 years or so, and that has uh, gradually, it was a, a gradual movement that became a very quick shift in, in 2016 when Donald Trump ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you about one more thing uh, before I send it over to Catherine. But looking ahead to the general election, many, 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 Pundits, a lot of talking heads view Pennsylvania as the number one most likely uh, Republican-held seat to flip. What issue is driving that? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think you know there, 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 there's a big debate within the political Democratic political circles. You know, how much to focus on Donald Trump and what happened January 6th. I actually think things like that are why this seat is more likely to flip because mm-hmm. the Republican, the, the suburbs of Philadelphia have been trending Democratic, you know, about for about as long as the Western Pennsylvania exurbs have been trending the opposite direction. And I think the whole Donald Trump, uh, insurrection just craziness and meanness is what's driving that and going to make pennsylvania you know a a state that may go against the grain and what could end up being a bad democratic year wow well i thank you for that mike now i'm going to send it over to Catherine, who's going to talk a little congressional and reapportionment action with you Catherine. hey mike thanks for being on with us tonight I hope things oh, are going well me. in Pennsylvania for you. Oh, um, so well. reapportionment, how's it going? Where are you at with it? Do they, have the maps been out? And um, it, what, how is your reapportionment done? Is it uh, completely partisan, or is, do you have one of these uh, nonpartisan commissions? Sure. Well, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, we like to take as long as possible to get anything done. So... <laughs> <laughs> there, have, there are no maps as of yet, but there's some general talk of what's going to happen or most likely happen. You know, we're going from 18 seats to 17 seats um, in, in the in congressional seats. And um, what it sounds like, because the, the redistricting process is partisan, but you have the legislature passes the maps and the governor needs to sign it, if not, it goes to a, 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 the, the state Supreme Court, and they could, they could potentially draw a map, which they did a few years ago. Um, so the bottom line is it looks like what most likely will happen at the congressional level is, you know, right now we have nine Democrats, nine uh, Republicans. Most likely it'll end up being a dis- districts where that favor, you know, an eight-to-eight outcome with maybe one you know, toss-up seat. So that, that's most likely what's going to happen. On the legislative level, you know, interestingly enough, 
the Democrats control, even though they don't control the legislature, control the re- legislative redistricting. Uh, that's because it's done by the redistricting commission, uh, which is comprised of, you know, a, a Democrat from the House, a Democrat from the Senate, a Republican from the House, and a Republican from, from the Senate. And the fifth person is appointed by the Supreme Court, which is controlled by the Democrats. So that makes it, you know, possible that, you know, Democrats could end up getting a, at worst, a fair map, at best, a, a you know, a, a, a map that favors them. Well, that, so that's uh, that's an interesting uh, way to make up that commission, and probably a good way, actually. And so, mm-hmm. how do you think this is going to? Do you think these, you know, as far as timing, how is this going to have? What impact is it going to have on congressional races? Are they going to have it done in time for everybody to run, or is well, it going to be a last-ditch effort? Um, look, what I tell people who are thinking about running but not sure what district they're going to be in, they need to start running now regardless and raise money and figure out. I mean, I think on most likely we're going to see a district either just before the first of the year or sometime in January. Uh, the main reason is if it goes too far into January, you know, the State Department of Elections has already said if it goes too far into January – they will have to move the date of the primary because they would not be able to, you know, pull it all off with all the processes, right. get, getting up, getting on the ballot and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, my guess is we'll see it at the end of the year. And, you know, who knows if it ends up, I, I mean, I think just the way the governor and the way the legislature has just been so obstructionist with him, I think we're most likely going to see the congressional seats, uh, be drawn by a uh, well, actually, end up with the, all the seats being uh, drawn by the le- by the Supreme Court. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, well, that'll be it'll be an interesting thing for us to watch. And now I'm going to pass it back to David. Thanks so much. That was very informative. Sure. Yes. Well, Mike, you mentioned that uh, Pennsylvania had lost a seat. Um, but we know that people are moving to cities, and uh, Pennsylvania – I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Philadelphia is such a large city. I'm sure it's really not losing that much population, probably gaining. In Pittsburgh, I know you how um, it is revitalized. It has a lot of high-tech jobs now, so I'm assuming its metro area is also gaining population. So where is um, Pennsylvania losing – population to where it lost a congressional district yeah well quite frankly it's pennsylvania's losing population in trump country the democratic counties are growing and the republican counties are shrinking population wise uh most of uh, the, the the areas that went very strongly for trump were either very rural but also the ones you know that were you know more ex-urban rather than rural those areas are shrinking. There were the, the towns that used to have the steel mills that have long been shut down. They have the, 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 they're the towns with the coal mines. And, you know, these towns are struggling. And, you know, kids are going away to school and they're not coming back. And, mm. that, that, and, and people are moving, you know, to find better opportunities. And they're just older populations uh, on top of that. So, you know, with that, you know, look, I'm optimistic of where Pennsylvania is going politically moving forward. I mean, there can be events and, you know, personalities that come up along the way that maybe alter the the way the uh, state is growing in terms of political uh, change. But, um, you know, right now I'm pretty optimistic long-term about Pennsylvania. Yes, and – it seems like with those two cities, there's going to be a future in figuring out how to make some more areas, I guess, in the state that also have vibrant growth. Um, well, Jeff yep. Fetterman, he's running for U.S. Senate, and that's leaving the lieutenant governor's office open, and it's the other constitutional office in Pennsylvania that's um, up for grabs. 
But it looks like, doing a little research, it looks like there's not a lot of announced candidates, if you will. Um, there are. Might there change are. their minds. What's going on there? Yeah, I think uh, there, people are kind of waiting. Um, there, there was a push to get rid of uh, electing the lieutenant governor and just allowing, like, the state parties to pick the, the VP, which would mean normally whoever the nominee is would get to pick their, their running mate. Um, but Pennsylvania does the gut lieutenant governor's race a little different, where in the primary you run a separate race, but in the general you're a ticket with the governor, gubernatorial candidate. And um, because um, from what I've been seeing is because uh, Josh Shapiro is in such strong positions, a lot of these people who would normally have announced by now are trying to work with them to basically be anointed by him because he carries so much weight in the Democratic primary right now. But, you know, I mean, there's a long way to go. There's always a, a large num- number of people run for lieutenant governor in Pennsylvania. It's a very weak constitutional position. You, you basically just preside over the state Senate, and that's it. Um, so there's always a lot of candidates who are interested in running, but it's one of those one of those um, positions where, you know, the electorate and, uh, like, the money crowd don't get super excited about that race. Yes. Uh, interesting hmm. to know, and I think that's a lot of states. It's a, Other than maybe Texas, uh, you, you, you have a part-time job, but you have a full-time salary, and so it, it sounds like a pretty good gig if you can get it, to be honest. Yeah. Now, y'all don't have a lot of other – constitutional office. You have the Attorney General, Auditor General, and State Treasurer, and those are up in 2024. Why? This seems to be one of the few states like this. Why does Pennsylvania have other constitutional offices that are in presidential years, not gubernatorial years? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, My guess is because Pennsylvania likes to be as inefficient as possible in a lot of things (laughs) as as it relates to campaigns. No, I, I, I mean, it's just one of those things that's always been that way, and you know, or at least as long as I've been doing this stuff. And, you know, it's going it, to, it, you know, good thing is for people to do what I do. That means every year you got you have a nice uh, chunk of races to work on. Yeah, it's just an interesting format there that, uh, like I said, there may be another state where every time we have different guests on from different states, we learn new things. Um, but that one uh, was one I have not encountered as quickly. Well, Mike, um, we know you're starting to appear other places. We know you were on um, a, a national podcast, but if people want to have heard what, they, what you've had to say, they want to see you on social media, they want to read you, they want to watch other places, just now's your time to share. Sure. Um, probably the best way to keep track of what I'm up to is good. Is following me on Twitter. It's Mike Mikus, P A. That's M I K E M I K U S P A. That's my Twitter handle. That's normally where you find me. You can find me on Facebook as well, uh, Facebook.com, and I, I believe it's slash M O Mikus. So that's that's the best way. I'm 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 very active on social media, so that's how you can follow me. Well, good deal. Well, Mike, thanks again for joining us and sharing about Pennsylvania politics. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Amen. All right. Mike Mickus, longtime guest, um, and really, you know, keeps us informed on a state that is so uh, unique in the population basis, being in the east and the west, and not as much population in the middle, um, and it creates some really uh, fascinating dynamics. Um, at times well, well guys I want to go back to one more thing In our lead topic And um, I think it is kind of critical With Donald Trump Is the A piece where they're going to talk about Let's say web services Where they would host People's data um, And you know Secure it And you know you don't need servers And of course it's very complicated But there's a lot of security and given Donald Trump's relationship with, you know, the Russian government and Vladimir Putin, and people know that one of the main sources worldwide of hackers 
comes from Russia. Um, does that seem like anybody would move their secure data over to a Trump held company <laughs> knowing that relationship, Catherine? No. <laughs> I mean, somebody probably would, but um, I, I don't think it would be, uh, you know, mad rush to get, you know, Trump Web Services uh, as your, you know, service provider. Tim, uh, do you think there's kind of – it's not a conflict of interest, but it's just a um, a ser- security liability maybe. No kidding. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you, you, you recall at the beginning of the show when we were talking about the – and putting it charitably, lack of security surrounding the Trump Truth Project's uh, true social uh, platform. And, and, t- and hackers just immediately breaking through that and creating absolute havoc. No, no. Uh, it, the, somehow the words Trump and security they, they 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 don't even sound right together to me. No, they no, don't. I wouldn't I wouldn't trust any part of that, and anyone who who thinks that it would be a good idea to do that, I I, I think they should re-examine what they're thinking there. Don't you, David? Most definitely. Um, I, I don't think we need to do a buy sell hold on this because I think we'd be saying sell a lot, but let's just break <laughs> it down into three categories. The social part, the um, entertainment part, and then the other web services. We won't even get into you know trying to create phones or anything like that. Uh, and we're just going to say whether we think they get it off the ground or not. Okay, so first one is the social piece, the social network. Catherine, do you think they get it off the ground? I think they get the social part off the ground, at least briefly. Tim? Uh, Something there's going to get off the ground. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I'm going to say yes to the social part, too. Okay, let's make it three for three. They get something off the ground that can compete with, you know, the the Gab and the the Frank and, and Parler. Okay, now, the entertainment company, we're not talking about a page with a collection of YouTube links. We're talking like a true, you know, you purchase it and you get a login and you, you know, stream, you know, different content. Do they even get that off the ground, Catherine? No. Okay, Tim? Considering that they haven't even given any details on what they're trying to, I'm going to say no to. I agree. No, they don't get the media piece off the ground. Now, the web services, this is where they actually (laughs) do some massive piece of, you know, hosting uh, information and data and websites for people. Catherine, do they they accomplish this? I agree. They do not do that. I'll tell you one thing Trump social uh, or Trump media group has done. They have unified us on nine different opinions. All alike. Um, so I guess we all have the same take on them. <laughs> all right. Now, we're we're going to talk about something away from Trump, but then unfortunately, if we have time, we're going to bring it back to him. Um, uh, sadly, I guess it was Monday morning, so it was just a little bit after um, the show may have been listened to by a lot of people on Monday morning. Uh, General Colin Powell passed away. Um There was some news, you know, that that COVID was involved, but also he had heart issues. I'm sorry, not heart issues, uh, cancer, um, some melanoma and and different kinds of cancers that he was getting treatment for that weakened his immune system. So all that mixed in, and and he passed away. But I think I saw something he had said apparently just a week or two um, before, and he said, you know, I'm in my 80s, and I've had a good life. Um, And he was very, uh, you know, uh, mature and resigned and, and you know, just really had a good sense of, of, of what he had accomplished in life. But it's still, it was very, very sad. And I, I see, you know, Colin Powell's life had, I guess, three stages of what is a public figure. There was this 
African Americans that rose to the highest ranks of the military. I guess is he still the highest ranking African American military official in American history? Or is someone equaled him or I don't know anything? the answer to that. I can't think of anyone who's equaled him. Yes. Yeah. So so he has this history which I think can be a point of pride for a lot of folks. And then um, he did serve in the Bush administration and the two war fronts, the uh, Afghanistan war front and the Iraqi war front, um, there were some problematic things there. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. And some people um, are critical of that legacy. And he was uh, Secretary of State um, during part of that time. Um, and, and was involved. And then there's the after he left the Bush administration, and he actually, um, when people didn't know if he would, he endorsed President Obama. He also spoke out multiple times against Donald Trump. And um, in the 2016 election, got the third most. Um, electoral votes after Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton when a few faithless electors um, wrote his name in. I saw that. So there's the three pieces of his legacy. Um, Catherine, um, any thoughts or statements you want to make on his passing in his life? Well, you know, he was um, uh, he was an American hero, really. Um, you know, he made some mistakes, but he freely admitted them later after reflection, um, especially about the Iraq war and the weapons of mass destruction. He was, he regretted the um, recommendation that he made on that and was very honest and authentic about it. Um, I think um, he was well-respected and admired by most Americans, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that uh, we, we know there's one um, that had their problems with him. But um, I think, you know, he lived an authentic life um, and was really to be admired. I, I always admired him, even though I didn't always agree with um, some of the things that he did. I still um, had a lot of respect for him. And um, I'm, you know, I uh, am sad for his family for the loss. Yes, um, and, and talking about – I did see it attract – it was the craziest thing. Uh, one of the journalists in Washington posted a picture of Colin Powell just a few years ago went trick-or-treating with his son and, and him, and the three of them went around, and, and uh, they took a picture, and, and this, this journalist just said what a, a fun time that Halloween was. And then somebody put under it, like, calling him a war criminal, and you let him around your children, I'm like – Gosh, some people are really just kind of toned after the moment. We will talk about another person um, that, that their statement got even more um, play, and it was equally tone deaf. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on the passing of Colin Powell? Well, he was a true American hero, I think, in every sense of the word. He was um, – as Catherine said, did he make some mistakes? Yes, and unlike many who make them in public life, he freely admitted to them and expressed regrets for things, especially uh, that appearance at the United Nations, uh, mm -hmm. which he came to realize the things that he was, was saying there was based on faulty intelligence and simply not true. And uh, he came out and he said that sometime later to the sh chagrin of of uh of some folks but uh he uh he he was he he had no scandals no stains he he was authentic um and and he was a person that you could admire whether you agreed with him or not and and that's not easy to do in today's time but uh uh, I, I personally had great admiration for him. I think he was a great man, and uh, his passing uh, does leave a void. Yes, I, without having the list in front of me, if, if you said that at some point 
he was at the top of, I guess, is it time or people that does the most admired uh, man and woman in America? Um, if he was at the top of that list at some point in the Bush administration, I would not be surprised um, mm-hmm. if he had had that. Well, um, now, when he passed away, um, of course, there was the, the medical story there that I, I, if people really read through it, gave them good information. Um, some people that maybe don't, um, that are, they want to kind of politicize COVID, but if you read through it, it, it gives some good yeah, information. No. But then Donald Trump also weighed in with a press release. Oh, um, and it's like he's done so many times. One, he made it about himself. And two, he couldn't just stay on the positive. Um, Tim, you may, I know you, you do such a good job of pulling things up. Do you have any uh, quotes from that uh, release or have memorized any of it? Uh, I, <laughs> yes, I read it, and then I said, no, he didn't say that. And I read it again and read it again. Now, the man had just passed, and what is Trump doing using the word rhino to describe the man? And and how he, you know, just screwed up left and right and this and that. And at the end, but I'm sorry he died. Rest in peace. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, you know, that was awful even for Trump, to be honest with you. Uh, a lot of people who, who read it, especially online to start with, and I was reading their comments, they thought it, it, it wasn't real. No, surely Trump didn't do this well. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> but should we be surprised at anything that that Donald Trump would say? Um, could could couldn't he just say that? I, you know, I'm sorry uh, to hear of the passing of General Powell. Uh, rest in peace and let it go. No, no, or just Locked not say anything, said, David. Yes. Yeah, but like you said, David, he has to he has to first of all make himself the the center of whatever he's doing, and and as he did in in this too. So, yes, uh, Catherine, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the final question, and we're gonna uh, let you answer it. In 2016, I think that was one of the multiple times people thought about you know Colin Powell running for office. At times, it was independent. At times, it was um, for the Republican nomination. Now, they had like 20 candidates or 16, some you know colossal number, and that may become the new norm for both parties. Um, if Colin Powell would have run for the Republican nomination, could he have stopped Donald Trump from getting it? Hmm. Um. You know, I, I, you know, I don't like to make predictions, but I think there, there was, there may have been a chance there. Um, he was, you know, the fact that he was military and um, well respected um, did give him a leg up um, against someone like Donald Trump who, you know, whose military career was non-existent. Um, I, I just doubt that he would have run. That's my only, it's hard for me to imagine that he would have run. So. Yeah, I think for some reason he had no real interest in elective office. You want to believe he would went, uh, would have won. Tim, I actually have a little more time than I thought I did, and it seems only fair to let you answer that question as well. Your thoughts on Colin Powell 2016, would he have uh, won the nomination instead of Donald Trump? I'm going to – you know you know what? By 2016, I'm going to say no. In, in retrospect, it was all set up perfectly for Trump with all of those candidates in there. The only way Powell would have stopped him was if it would have been a one-on-one race from the get-go. And therefore, I'm going to say if Powell was just another one of the candidates, no, Donald Trump was getting 30 to 40 percent of the vote in every contest while the others were splitting up the anti-Trump vote. And Powell would have been one of them, I'm going to say no. But 
polls clearly showed that in 2008, had he chosen to run that year, that the Republican nomination was not only his for the taking, but that he actually might have been able to defeat President Obama. Whereas in yeah. I mean, John, McC- John McCain never never had a, a chance of winning that race. Yeah, and, and I guess we want to thank you know. Uh, a race between Colin Powell and Hillary, Hillary Clinton for the three of us is a much safer race than one that involved Donald Trump. Well, um, thanks again to, for Mike Mickus coming on the show. Next week, uh, the Virginia elections are coming up very soon, and we're going to have our Virginia expert from Raising Cane, Lowell Feld, is our guest on our oh, Halloween kudzu vine. Until then, then the kudzu vine. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice.